0: scripture this morning. We are in the book of Acts, chapter 20, Acts chapter 20. This morning we're going to be looking at verses 33 through 38 of Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20 verses 33 through 38. This morning we're going to talk about generosity And um, I think you'll see why when we read this passage of Scripture. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version this morning, Acts 20, verses 33 through 38. This is Paul speaking. He says, I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken that they would not see his face again, and they accompanied him to the ship. Seems like every year around Christmas time we hear the words, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I often wonder when I hear people say that, if they understand that that actually comes from the Bible. I also wonder if we understand that this is not true just at Christmas time, but this is to be a true statement of every Christian. In fact, every follower of Christ should be known in part for their generosity. Christians should be known as generous people and churches should be known as generous congregations. However, I have found often that Christians do not understand that it is indeed more blessed to give than to receive. In fact, to illustrate this, let me give you some statistics this morning. Typically, those who actually tithe only make up Between 10 and 25% of an actual congregation. Only 5% of the United States actually ties, and 80% of Americans give 2% of their income. Christians only give 2.5% per capita. And yet, in the Great Depression, they gave at a 3.3% rate. Did you know that in America if believers gave actually gave 10% just 10% as a tithe there to be an additional 165 billion with a b 65 165 billion dollars for churches to use You know in America we have a problem The trouble is that Too many people are spending money that they haven't yet earned for things that they don't need to impress people they don't even know or like. Now, I want to be clear. I believe in grace giving. In other words, I do not believe a specific tithe is laid out in the New Testament as a standard for us to follow. Tithing makes people, in my opinion, feel like they have paid their dues and often gets people stuck in a rut. In that, I mean this, they feel like, oh, well, I gave my 10% or whatever percentage that they have decided to set aside for their giving. I've done my deed, I've done what is required of me to do when in reality, our giving to God should not be something that we just kind of say, well, I'm gonna give a percentage of, But our giving to God should be a response to the grace that God has given to us. The great missionary George Mueller said, God judges what we give by what we keep. Now, I know the danger in preaching a message like this this morning. Sometimes the messenger gets shot, but nonetheless, it's going to get preached. Paul here is reminding these elders at Ephesus of his own example from when he had been with them. Interestingly enough, he is making it clear to them that he was not greedy and that he worked to provide not only for his own needs, but for the needs of his co-workers. And however, Paul goes beyond his example and he tells them to remember the words of the Lord Jesus when he said, it is more blessed to give Than to receive. And after this reminder, we see a very emotional farewell between Paul and these elders who said they would never see his face again. Now, before we get into the details of this, I want you to know that these words that Paul says that Jesus spoke are nowhere recorded in Scripture. However, that doesn't mean that Jesus never said them. It just means that they're nowhere recorded in scripture. In fact, John chapter 21 verse 25 tells us, now there are also many other things Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. And so it's not out of the ordinary to think that Jesus said this and Paul knew about it and so this was most likely an oral tradition of something that Christ had said which was handed down from the disciples and now what we must understand is that before Christ we were all by very nature takers we weren't givers we were takers but Christ comes in and he makes us a new creation And God continues to work out our lives so that we become givers instead of takers. Not simply so we can bless others. That's not the only point of why we become givers instead of takers, but that through giving, we are also blessed. We must be a people of generosity. Here's what we have to understand. It doesn't make sense to the rest of the world to live a life that says it is more blessed to, to give than to receive. The world will say I want to be on the receiving end. This morning I want to share with you from this text three areas that reveal to us how to be generous and the fourth that is implied in the text. We are Generous when we keep from greed, acting like Christ through giving, which builds relationships with others and reaps eternal dividends. First of all, we are generous when we keep from greed we're generous when we keep from greed. Now, I know that this is a pretty general statement and perhaps you're saying, well, duh, isn't that obvious that if we want to be generous, we need to not be greedy. It seems to make sense. However, let's remember that Paul just talked about fierce wolves coming in to lead the people to follow after themselves. And what do wolves do? They feed off the flock. They fleece the flock. They don't feed the flock and all through the scriptures we see the greed of false teachers all through the scripture there are warnings about being greedy and what to do with your money in fact in Matthew Mark and Luke one out of every six verses deals with money one out of every six of the 29 parables that Christ told 16 of them deal with a person and their money and so we need to keep from greed and what we have here is that Paul sets an example of how not to be greedy he gives an example this is this is how not to be greedy look at my example look down at verses 34 and 35, Paul says, they knew his hands had worked and in all things I have shown you what it's like to work with his hands. He's making it clear that he had been an example to them. Now to be clear, Paul's not saying that those who labor in the gospel should not be paid. That's not what he's saying. In fact, he makes the the case that those who labor in the gospel should be paid in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 as well as 1st Timothy chapter 5. However let's be clear there's a difference between someone who is attempting to get rich by taking advantage of someone and those who are being supported by the gospel. If a man who is called to shepherd the flock is instead trying to fleece the flock it brings trouble and ultimately will lead to trust issues within the flock. In fact one of the slanders that arose against the Apostle Paul was that he was taking up this offering that he was taking up, that, that he was doing it not for the poor, but for himself. And so Paul makes it clear when he says, I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Silver and gold were a financial means. Apparel represented oriental wealth, which consisted of nice clothing, of fine linens and purple. Paul wants it to be clear That he did not preach for money. In fact. That church in Ephesus. Who he's speaking to. Seems to not have been. Not to have supported him at all. And so he is saying that he was not opposed to manual labor. labor, If that's what is needed. Unfortunately we live in a time. Where the Christian world. Has adopted. The American dream. And the secular mindset including pastors where they want to they want to get all they can get they want to make all that they can make they want to they want to gain all that they can gain pastors want to charge all kinds of fees for services so as to make sure that they make some extra money in fact I had a pastor once get upset with me because I refused to set a fee for weddings and counseling I've done premarital counseling and weddings and have never been paid for my time sometimes. Even though I've spent well over 15 hours in counseling sessions and then doing the wedding. Could you imagine if, if uh, the pastor said, I'm going to charge the going rate for counseling services. Some pastors do that. I just trust that if I minister to someone, they're going to reciprocate by helping meet the needs of the person that helped them. It doesn't always work out that way. That's okay. I'm alright with that. I'm okay with that. I'm not going to demand to be paid for something like that. But we live in a day when pastors want to earn that extra buck, as well as Christians. They just look in how can I how can I possibly get that extra dollar? And then sometimes doing, they take advantage of other people. Christian authors and artists do the same thing. They make a great deal of money, often. And sometimes we feel like, you know, I'd be better off if someone gave me a large gift. I would I would receive it. And I, I'd put that to good use, but I'm shocked when we want to make huge profits at the expense of the Lord's people. In fact, try to line up a big named speaker or a musician to come speak at a retreat or perform the first thing you'll be told is this how much their fee is and it's not a low number some of these are in the tens of thousands of dollars I've had people call and ask me well what would you charge to speak at something my response is typically cover my mileage and my meals give me a place to stay and then give me whatever you think I'm worth beyond that apparently I'm not worth a whole lot (laughs) let me just say that we're not to be greedy and as a pastor I should set the example towards how not to be greedy just like Paul has done so but at the same time I trust those that I do ministry for I trust that they'll meet my needs and I will live a life free of greed. I'm not going to lie. There's been times in our life that have been extremely lean. But there have been times where I've seen God provide amazingly through other people. We have to keep from greed as Paul has set the example. But we all keep from greed because we know greed is a sin and it reaps destruction. Greed is a sin and reaps destruction. Destruction. Listen to Ephesians five five, for you may be sure of this that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater or greedy, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Colossians chapter three verses five through six. Put to death therefore what is earthly in you: sexual immorality, impurity passion, evil desire, and covetousness, or greed, which is idolatry on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Greed reaps destruction. Paul says in 1 Timothy that those who have a desire to be rich fall into a trap, into a senseless and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. Again, greed Reaps destruction. Proverbs chapter twenty-eight, verse six. The righteous are not to be greedy. First Timothy chapter three, verses two through three, talks about the Christian leader not being greedy. And Paul's given us example here of of not being greedy. We are told to be on guard against greed in this passage. We are we are to be separated from the greedy. The greed is to be repented of. That greed is an expression of our sinful human nature, we're told in Mark chapter 7, verses 21 through 22. I can go on and on with the warnings throughout Scripture about how greed is harmful and how greed reaps destruction. Because it's all through Scripture. It's sinful. It reaps destruction. An eccentric adventurer named Harry Lasseter walked into Sydney, Australia in 1931. He cornered three promoters and told them the fantastic tale that so fired their imaginations that it never occurred to them that the man might be unbalanced, dreaming or just lying to get a job. He stated that as a loan prospector in the barren back country, 30 years before he had discovered a chain of rocks that was certain to contain at least $5 billion worth of gold. Believing him, the promoters organized an expedition and, led by Lasseter, set out to claim the fabulous reef as he failed to find it. After a search of many months, the leaders ordered their party to return home, having realized that the reef existed only in the man's imagination. Although Lasseter partly admitted it, he went on alone and died of thirst. To stop others from making the same mistakes, the hoax was giving considerable publicity, yet... Within the next few years, ten other expeditions not only went out to find this particular reef, but to but but got lost on the rescues. These rescue efforts cost all, the Australian government approximately two million dollars because of greed. Greed reaps destruction. You know what i found? Is that we can often recognize greed in other people's lives, but we rarely recognize greed in our own lives. Often we'll say, well, I'm not greedy. You know a surefire way to see if you're greedy or not? Ask yourself this question. If I came into a large sum of money, what would I do with it? What would I do with it? When you want something, how do you go about getting it? How much do you enjoy those things that you have? And if you were to lose them all, to what degree would you mourn the loss of those items? You know why it's more blessed to give than to receive? Because in so doing, we are freed from the sin of greed that reaps destruction. Thirdly, greed is overcome by serving others and working to provide for yourself and others. Greed is overcome by serving others and working to provide for yourself and others. Look at verse 34. Paul says, You know, these hands have ministered. What is interesting here is is most likely Paul is probably showing his hands to the people. You know, these hands have ministered. But what's interesting about that word minister is this. It is the Greek word hyperateil, which comes from this word huperetes, which literally means an under rower. And you say, well, big deal. Big whoop-de-doo, like I care about the Greek and all that fancy-smancy stuff. Well, I don't know if any of you have watched the, the uh, new movie, ben Hur. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. We watched it about a week ago. And um, you kind of get a picture of what an under rower was. These were galley slaves in the bottom of the ship. And, and they're at the bottom of the ship and they propelled the ship along the way. And they were chained to the oars as they had to propel the boat. And as they're rowing and rowing and rowing. And, and often this is where they die. This was their life. They were galley slaves chained to the oars of the ship. And Paul says, this is who he is. They know how he ministered. They were familiar with the language. They knew exactly what he was saying. He's making it clear that his hands bore the signs of his labors, that he worked hard, that in essence he was a slave. However, he makes it clear that he didn't just serve. He wasn't just a slave for himself uh, and for his own gain, but to help others. He was a slave to help others. When was the last time you considered yourself a servant to this magnitude that you consider yourself a servant to someone else. This is what Paul describes. But not only that, he says he worked out, uh, he worked not just to feed himself, but to help the weak. He says, I, I did this to help the weak. Paul wrote in Ephesians 4:28. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Paul worked not just to meet his needs, but he helped support others who are doing the gospel work and he helped those who were in need. Listen, church, we don't work just to help ourselves. We don't work just for our own gain, but we work, we are called to work for other people. By the way, when we think about work, sometimes we get confused and we think that work is the curse. Work is not the curse. The curse is the thorns and thistles that interfere with the labor, but labor itself is not a part of the curse. The plan is that for biblical men who are capable to work, to take the responsibility for their families and work, and that women who, who uh, uh, aren't necessarily can't work, but the biblical plan is that they are responsibility, they have a responsibility to care for the household, to work in the home. That's according to Titus 2:5. Scripture is clear that we would that that we should work, even as Paul says, that if a man will not work, then the church should not feed him. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. And he tells Timothy that if someone does not provide for their own family, then they deny the faith. Now, let me be clear. Invariably, someone's going to say, well, what about that person who refuses to work? What about that person who says, you know what, I'm not going to work, and the church needs to meet all my needs, and they need to take care of me, and all this sort of thing, because there are those people. That's easy. There is no biblical mandate whatsoever that says Christians are to meet the needs of, of those who squander their money and then don't have enough to pay their bills, neither is there a mandate that says Christians are to give money to meet the needs of those only seeking to abuse a system or those that we would consider moochers. There is no mandate for that. The scripture does not mandate you as a follower of Christ to give to that person. However, we are to help the weak. However, there are people who can't work. There are those who have legitimate health needs. There are those who are trying to pay their bills, but they can't pay them. There are those who have unusual circumstances that come up in their lives, and we are to help them by giving to those in need. We overcome greed. If you sit back, And you think, well, I might, maybe I have a problem with greed. Then figure out how you're spending your money. If you want to know if you're greedy, ask yourself, how do I spend my money? And find the ways that you're spending money and... In ways that you don't need to. And eliminate them. And give that money to the Lord's work. Maybe you have possessions that are keeping you back. Sell them and give the money to the church. It doesn't matter how much you give. It matters whether you give because of the grace that has been given to you. We are to have a lifestyle of generosity. Not of greed. The Christian is supposed to be known as a person of generosity. It would be a shame for a follower of Christ to be known as someone who is greedy. That means you have to discipline yourself. It means that when you get paid, sometimes the very first thing that you do is you say, I'm setting a portion back for the Lord's work. We are generous when we keep from greed. We're generous when we keep from greed. Guard your heart, Christian, against greed. Guard your heart against greed. Secondly, when we give, we act like Christ. When we give, we act like Christ. In verse 35, Paul says, to remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, as I said earlier, we do not have that recorded in scripture. We have no record of Jesus saying those exact words, but we should not doubt that he said these words. Jesus said plenty about greed. He said to be on guard against greed. He tells the parable of a man who built bigger barns to hold all of the wealth that, that he has. And, and so he's, he looks around and he says, hey, look at all this wealth I have. I've got to build bigger barns to hold all the wealth that I have. And God responds to that man, you fool. This very night your soul will be required of you. And now who will own what you have prepared? Jesus said, don't store up treasure in heaven where moth and rust can come and destroy and thieves break in and steal. But he, says, store, but he says, store up treasure in heaven. Store up treasure in heaven, not on earth. How can we store up treasure in heaven? Have you ever wondered about that? When Jesus says that, when he says store up treasure in heaven, not on earth, do you wonder what that means? Do you wonder what that's talking about? When we give, we act like Christ. I don't know about you, but as a Christian, which means little Christ, I should be seeking to act like Christ. Therefore, we should be seeking to give. And perhaps you say, well, how did did Jesus give? How did Jesus give? Well, he gave his life on the cross he made it clear that no one takes his life that he freely lays it down he left the glory of heaven to come to earth and be born in a stable in Bethlehem sounds like giving to me Paul said that even though Christ was rich he became poor for our sake so that through his poverty we might become rich sounds like giving to me when we give we act like Christ however giving doesn't hold a spot for us in heaven before anyone can give anything that acts like Christ in any way they have to receive Christ as their Savior you come to Christ unable to pay a debt that you owe and you receive you receive forgiveness that is freely offered to you because Christ is life the death of Christ is the only way sin is covered, and he offers the gift of his life to everyone who receives it. Here's what we must see is that receiving Christ as Savior is the beginning of being like Christ. It is after we receive him as Savior that we can be a giver and act like Christ. And we don't become givers to pay Christ back. We are givers because we are being conformed into his image. And this is what Paul wants us to understand, that Christ was the ultimate giver. Listen, the Greco-Roman world at the time was based upon this principle of giving and receiving. In other words, you gave in order to receive something. The, The reason that you gave someone something is so that you would receive something in return this is the audience that paul is speaking to and now paul is advocating that you give expecting nothing in return this is what it means to be generous you give and you don't expect anything back you don't give with stipulations you just give and as christians when we do this we're being uh uh, um conformed to the image of Christ because we say well I'm going to give without expecting anything in return and that is being generous that is being like Christ giving thirdly giving builds relationships not only when we give we act like Christ but giving builds relationships Paul had given much he had given material good. He would given of himself. He had built people up in Christ. He had led people to Christ. These people knew Paul. They loved Paul. Paul loved them. When it came time for him to leave, they thought it was the last time they would see him, and they wept uncontrollably. It says they embraced Paul, and they kissed him which in the greek is it is that they fell on his neck and they kept on kissing him over and over and over again. Luke is painting a picture for us of this deep love between Paul and these men and though Paul's uh, through Paul's giving he built these relationships very few people come to the end of their life and regret not making more money. Very few people laying on their deathbed think boy, I wish I made more money. Very few people come to their end of their life and say, I wish I accumulated more possessions. You know what they do often regret? Regret Not spending more time with their family and friends. When we give, we build relationships. But you know who doesn't build relationships? Greedy people. You know why they don't? Because they're afraid of losing something. People that are greedy and stingy don't want to be around other people because they might see a need. Maybe they have to meet it. Church, I can't tell you how many times I've seen greed destroy people, destroy families and divide them. How often does someone get mad because they felt like they did not get their fair share of an inheritance? They get all mad. Or they think that another family member is given more at Christmas time or something like that. and, And they got more than I got. That's greed. I've seen families nearly come to fistfights over inheritances. It's ridiculous. And sometimes these are Christians behaving this way. Greed destroys relationships. Giving builds them. Now look, not only... Do they weep and embrace Paul and kiss him? But they also pray with him. Do you know giving takes faith? Because you give money away that you could spend on yourself. And you just trust in the Lord. Paul's invested in these men. He's built relationships and is giving towards them. And has has given uh, to help the needy. And by his giving, he has increased their faith. And they kneel and pray with him. We don't know what Paul prayed. We have no idea what he prayed. Maybe that that their needs be met. Maybe uh, that they would be protected from those false teachers. We know this. Paul was generous. And they loved him. Paul was generous. And they loved him. So we are generous when we keep from greed. Acting like Christ through giving. Which builds relationships with others. However there's one final aspect of generosity. I want us to consider this morning. And it's not explicitly mentioned in this text. But it is mentioned throughout the scripture and that's this. Giving brings eternal dividends. Giving brings eternal dividends. We're not saying that giving gets you into heaven. Heaven is a gift that comes to those who have received Christ as their Savior. With that said, I believe Scripture clearly teaches that there will be rewards in heaven for the believer based upon how they stewarded their resources in life. You know, today, people invest in the stock market. That's what they do. They they uh, look at the stock market. I don't understand how it all works because I don't really have money to invest in the stock market. But but some people are really good at, hey, I think this stock's gonna go up and blah, blah, blah. And, and they put their money in the stock market or they put their money in something else. You know, um, you see commercials all the time for uh, Lear Capital, you need to invest in gold and silver. And I mean, just all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, There's uncertainty in those investments. There is. You're not certain of what's going to happen. Just a few years ago, people were losing all kinds of money in stocks, right? I mean, the stocks were going down and people were panicking and losing. I mean, some people lost a good portion of their retirement in the stock market because it just tanked. And now those same people, if they left it in, are probably happy right now because it's kind of shot way up and all this stuff. But you know what? Our investments above, our investments that that are investments in eternity are not lost. You can't lose those investments. Listen to what Paul says. Listen to what he tells Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 6. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share Thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Did you catch that? He speaks of those who are rich. He tells us how to respond, how to be generous, how to be Ready to share. Remember earlier, I said, "Do you ever mem? Do you ever wonder what it's like to store up treasures in heaven?" The answer is here. Thus, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so they may take hold of that which is truly life. The investment of the generous person brings eternal. Dividends. The investment of the generous person when you give to further the Lord's work has an impact that is forever. The impact is eternal. That is storing up for yourselves treasure in heaven. That's an investment into the work of the Lord. In Luke chapter 16, Jesus tells the parable of a rich man who had a manager who was doing a poor job. And so the rich man tells the manager, he can no longer manage his fund. And so the manager called in some of the debtors to the rich man and one guy owed a 100 measures of oil. The manager says to him, write a bill for 50. Another owed a 100 measures of wheat. And the manager told him, write a bill for 80. Listen to how Jesus closes this parable out. Luke chapter 16, verse 8. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. Do you hear that? For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth. Hmm. So that when it fails, When your unrighteous wealth fails. They may receive you. Into eternal. Dwelling. Seems pretty clear to me. That our wealth is to be used to win eternal friends. And not temporary ones. Seems pretty clear. This means that we give generously. Of our money to further the gospel. And if we're not doing this. Then we're not using the money God has given us. To have an eternal impact. But instead we're using it to be greedy. However we do this. With our possessions. Or with our money. But we do it to have an eternal impact. This means that we open our homes to others. Because we understand that we are to be generous. So we open our home. We, we say, hey, come on in. Come over. Hang out. Whatever it might be. You know, my wife and I were looking for a place to go on vacation last year. We didn't have a whole lot of money saved up. We had some friends that we haven't really spent a lot of time with in a long time. But they said, you know what, we, we have a place in Branson. You can stay there for free. We won't charge you anything. Just go and stay. And they took care of the arrangements. Just go to the office, tell them who you are, and they'll take care of everything. And they took care of everything. We had a place to stay for free, and that touched me. Because that's what Christ that's what Christ teaches. That's what He teaches. That, that we give to to meet needs, to win eternal friends. I can tell you story after story after story after story of people that, that met a need in my life. I shared with Sunday school this morning that, that when I was down in Marion, Illinois, as a student pastor, I had a need, I had to pay for schooling, and my bill was $700. Somebody had heard about it. I walked into my office and taped to my office door with seven $100 bills with a note in it that just said, Josh, if, if your school bill has been taken care of, then use this however you see fit. You see, we loan our homes and we loan out our cars and we loan out our vacation homes and, and we can't take money with us. We can't take our possessions with us. We, we don't have the U-Haul followed by the hearse. It doesn't work that way. You say, well, well, I can leave it for someone else. It's not forever, church. Listen, money and possessions are not forever. In an instant, they can all be gone. But you know what is forever? That which has been spiritually invested for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ is forever. Are you generous? Do you use your money to gain eternal friends and bring you closer to the Lord or do you just keep it to yourself? Church, God gave. Let me say that again. God gave. This is the beginning of the plan of redemption. God gave His own Son. He gave so that you... Might be saved from his judgment. And here's the thing. If you have received that gift. That wonderful gift of salvation. The call for you and for me. Is not to be greedy. But to be generous. And we are generous when we keep from greed. (coughs) Acting like Christ through giving which builds relationships with others and reaps eternal dividends. We don't give out of duty. We give out of our love for Christ. So my question to you this morning is very simple. How generous are you? How Generous You see, church, it's very easy for us to meet our own needs and be greedy towards everyone else. It's very easy for us to come in and give whatever percentage of tithe, if we even give a tithe. Remember, 2.5% is the average. It's very easy for us to come in and give some money, drop some money in the offering plate and see our brother or sister in a deep need and do absolutely nothing about it. You know why? Well, we already gave. We already gave. How generous are you, (sighs) Are you furthering the gospel of Jesus Christ with what God has given you? Because the dividends are eternal. Some of you, if I asked you what your dividends were on your investments, you could tell me in an instant. You would know. But you can have eternal dividends that will last forever. So how generous are you? And maybe this morning you'd say, I'm not that generous. I I don't even make that 2.5%. Are you going to really follow Christ? Because Christians are to be known as generous people. Christians are to be known as generous people will this church be known as a generous church or a greedy church will we be known as generous or greedy I can tell you how some people view it if you want to know you can ask me later I'm not going to share it from the pulpit will we be known as generous or will we be known as greedy and secondly, maybe you're here this morning and you're in the middle when I talked about redemption, you realize for the first time you don't know Christ as your Savior. You see, you can't truly be generous until you know Jesus. That's the starting point. If that's you this morning, maybe you'd respond with saying, I need, I need Jesus in my life to be a generous person. Or maybe this morning you just say, I'm not very generous. And maybe you need to pray. Maybe you'd like me to pray with you. Maybe you just want to pray in your pew. However the Lord leads you to respond, I pray that you'd respond this morning. Let's close with prayer.